Uh, today is Vision Sunday, and um, I'm just really excited about uh, what God is doing in our midst. And I want to say from the onset that, that God has something new for us as a church, and God has something new for you as individuals, for us together and for you individual. And that's what we're going to talk about today, that God has something new uh, for us. And so what I'm, uh, what I'm titling today's Vision Sunday is a new season of mission, a new season of mission. And every September, we step back to focus on two important parts of our vision, our formational vision and our directional vision. And basically what that answers is two significant questions on Vision Sunday. Number one, who are we? And number two, where are we going? Every September, we have to remind ourselves who we are as a church, who has God called us to be in this uh, unique area of Queens, and secondly, where are we going? And so we're going to be in the gospel of uh, John chapter 20, and I'm going to come back there in a moment, but for the first half of this message, I'm going to talk about our formational vision, who we, are, who we are, and for the second half of the vision, talk about our directional vision, that is, where we are going. And so let's pray, let's invite the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, our hearts, our ears as we look to him and his word today. Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you, first of all, for your history of faithfulness to us over 30 years. And we celebrate, Lord, that you are alive and you are moving in this place. And we celebrate stories like Hian, who are folks who are coming to know of your love and whose lives, through their lives, you're, they're being transformed by your incredible love and grace. And so, Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts as we look to you on this Vision Sunday in this new season of mission. We offer this time to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. I want to start off uh, this Vision Sunday by focusing on our mission. And our mission is very simple. Our mission at New Life Fellowship is to be a multiracial community leading people into a deep personal relationship with Jesus. And one of the more important words of that simple statement is the word deep, that God wants to transform us deep beneath the surface of our lives. When God transforms us, he, he just doesn't want to address our, our dress code, our wardrobe. He just doesn't want to address the words that we speak. He wants to transform us deep beneath the surface. And so over the course of the years, I've talked about our logo at New Life, talked about we need to think about uh, changing our logo. We had an unofficial logo, uh, and I called it the iceberg. And so I decided this year, hey, why not just make the change? And so this is our new logo on this Vision Sunday. That is an iceberg, brothers and sisters. Before you go, what is that? That is, now you know. You didn't know what the last thing was either. And so uh, this is the iceberg. Berg here. And what we're getting at through the iceberg is something very simple, that God wants to transform us and transform the world deep beneath the surface, that 10% of the iceberg is seen and 90% of the iceberg is not seen. And what God wants to transform is that which is beneath the surface. And so today is Vision Sunday. It's very exciting. When you came in, you probably received that uh, a daily offices. You probably saw a pen. You got a pen as well. We're hooking you up today. Downstairs, there's going to be some t-shirts for sale, some New Life Fellowship t-shirts for sale as well. Limited supply. Limit, Brenda, limited supply. 
right? Go downstairs. You can buy some. We're going to be ordering some in the coming weeks, only $10. So go downstairs to pick that up. And uh, we'll have a new website come in and over the next month and everything. And so it's going to be a great, great time together. But I want to come back to this logo because we have, we've been charged by God. To, uh, to be a community that works for deep transformation. And the depth of transformation is to be, it's the impact, the breadth of our impact in the world. The deeper we go in God, the more wide we are to go in our impact in the world. And so in order to work for this transformation, in order to get beneath the surface of those, that iceberg, the iceberg in our lives, at New Life, we've identified five different values, five different theological and spiritual formation values. We call them the five M's. And it's important to be reminded of this. For some of you, this is the first time you're hearing this. But we have five specific values that work for the transformation of our lives and the transformation of our community. Community. And the first M is that we are called to be a monastic community. And this is new wording that I want to give to kind of flesh this out, that we are to be a community that our lives are oriented by rhythms of prayer, silence, solitude, rest, and community. That we live a lie, our lives are oriented by rhythms of prayer, silence, solitude, rest, and community. And one of the realities of our day is that we are confronted with a violent pace. And as a result, we have very little space. All of us, whether you are unemployed or employed, no matter how old you are, we are all confronted in our world with a violent pace, which leaves very little space in our lives. And so in a given week, we have way too much to do. We live way too fast. And in the process, we miss out on all the ways that God is coming to us because God is coming to us every single day through his love, through his grace, through his truth. But because our lives are so uh, fast, we often miss out on the ways that God is coming to us. And so as the foundation of our spirituality, what we are invited to is a slowed-down spirituality, a life that slows down enough to be with God so that our lives may be transformed for the abundance of our own lives and for the sake of others. And so at, at New Life, we, we, we've said that this is, our, this is our core kind of the foundation of who we are. Because every single one of us, we've been wired for a particular rhythm. It was uh, Ken Shigematsu, a pastor in Vancouver, Canada, a friend of ours, who said it this way, that every one of us has a monk or nun embryo living inside of us. That we all long for something more than the rat race, rushing through life without ever living. That we know what it's like to live a violent pace. And God is inviting us to slow down, to be with God to be with each other. And so at New Life, one of our significant goals is to slow our lives down, to enjoy the gifts of silence and the gifts of solitude, to enjoy a new rhythm for our lives, one that is centered on the love of God. And it is out of this kind of new rhythm, out of this kind of being with God, that our lives are rooted in his love, that we are called to be a new kind of community together, which leads me to our second M. That our second M is that we are called to be a multiracial community. And what we mean by that is we are called to bridge racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers. That at New Life Fellowship Church, we have over 75 nations represented in our church. And that's not just the only diversity we have. 
There's socioeconomic diversity, ethnic diversity, cultural diversity. And we are called in a deeply divided world to offer something of the kingdom of God, to offer a sign, to be a sign and a wonder to a world that is deeply, deeply divided. And this is our call because our world is desperately longing for communities that know how to live life together. Listen, and the reality is we have a, the world has a hard time with this. We have a hard time loving people who look like us, let alone loving people who don't look like us, don't think like us, don't vote like us. And so we are invited to be a new community shaped by the cross of Jesus, shaped by the gospel of Jesus, to be a prophetic sign and wonder to a world desperately caught up in hostility and division. And so we are called to bridge racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers. We are a monastic community slowing down our lives to be with God and each other, out of which a new community emerges that we are called to be multiracial, bridging racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers. And it is out of that place of being together that we must cultivate another M. That is, how do we live? How do we love well? How do we, in this incredibly diverse community, in this community where if there's tensions in another part of the world, we feel that tensions in here because we're such an international community. How do we love one another well? And that leads me to our third end, that we are called to be an emotionally healthy community. And the way that I want to give some fresh language to this is that we are called to live a way of life committed to interiority. That means we pay attention to our inner worlds for the sake of loving well. This is the kind of life we're called to, a life of interiority, of a life that pays attention to what's happening on the inside of our lives, not just for the sake of greater self-awareness, but for the sake of loving each other well. And so for the past 20 years, we have lived as a church that has been formed by this notion that it is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. That you could come to church every single day, and if you are defensive at any sign of critique, it's not a picture of your spiritual maturity, it's a picture of our spiritual immaturity. That is, that you could have all the Bible knowledge and read all the scriptures, but if you don't know how to integrate sadness and anger and grief into your spirituality, it is not an indication of your spiritual maturity, it's an indication of your spiritual immaturity. And so there are a couple of signs of this, many different signs, but here's a few signs of what emotional health looks like in our community here, that we name, recognize, and manage our own feelings, that we initiate and maintain close and meaningful relationships, that we break free from self-destructive patterns by being aware of how our past impacts our present, that we ask for what we need, what we want, what we prefer clearly directly and respectfully, that we accurately self-assess our strengths, our limits, our weaknesses, and freely share those gifts with others. We're called to be a community that's marked by emotional health, a community that's marked by interiority, a community that focuses on our inner worlds for the sake of loving well. And it is out of that place as well that what does it mean to love well? It, it, it moves us beyond just our community here. It moves us into our marriages, our singleness, and our families, and our sexuality. 
And so we are called, our fourth M is that we are called to a life of marriage to Christ. That is, we order our marriages, our singleness, and our sexuality out of a deep theology of marriage to Christ. Now, I've mentioned, I know this is a lot, I've mentioned that from time to time that we should have a sign in the front of our building that says, enter at your own risk, (laughs) because we are inviting you to a life of formation that goes deep beneath the surface of our lives. And it's very easy to live in illusion and in denial than to embrace the kind of transformative work that Jesus wants to do inside of us. And so we are called to order our marriages our singleness, and our sexuality out of a deep theology of marriage to Christ. Now, we have clearly recognized over the years that we need a deep spirituality for the sake of thriving marriages, for the sake of healthy singleness, for the sake of a a sexuality that is integrated with spirituality. Most of us came from families and have seen examples of marriage that were not really healthy. As a result, we are doomed to repeat the cycle. Many of us have seen uh, in church and outside of church, and we've received a bad theology that singleness is to be seen as a stigma. And so there's no sense of theology. Many of us have received bad teaching and bad examples about how to integrate sexuality with spirituality. And consequently, what we have are marriages that are not thriving and singles that are not thriving as well. It reminds me of of what the prophet Chris Rock has said. The prophet Chris Rock, he says, do you want to be single and lonely or married and bored? As if those are the only two options out there. And many people think this this is all we have. You're going to be married and bored or you're going to be single and lonely. And yet when we look at the scriptures and when we look at Jesus and when we look at what, what, everything that's possible to the power of the Holy Spirit, surely our marriages can thrive. Surely our singleness can thrive. Surely we can have a sexuality that's wholly connected to a spirituality. We are called be, to move beyond that limited option that has been placed before us. And so uh, we are called to be a monastic community, a multiracial community, bridging racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers, an emotionally healthy community, focusing on our inner worlds for the sake of love. We are to be married to Christ. And it is out of that place where we get to our fifth M. And it is this M that we're going to be focusing on much more intentionally in the coming year, that we are called to be a missional people. That is, we live as people sent on mission. That our world desperately needs these five M's. Queens desperately needs these five M's. New York City desperately needs these five M's. Our world desperately needs these five M's. And so we are called to be on mission. And if you're here today, it is not an accident why you are here. God has sent you here. It is not an, you didn't get here because of Google. You typed in New Life Fellowship Church. You got here because of God, okay? You are here because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he's calling us to live as people sent on mission. And it is with this M that I want to look at our text. 
in John 20. In John 20, one of my favorite passages, the resurrected Jesus visits his disciples, and he essentially calls them to live on mission. Beginning in verse number nine, hear the word of the Lord. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After this, after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This passage has everything to do with our fifth M, everything to do with who God is calling us to be in the year and in the years to come in this new season of mission. Now, when we pick up in this text in John 20, the disciples have just experienced the most horrific event of their lives. Jesus, the one whom they spent three years with, the one whom they put all their hope and all their trust in, has been crucified. And this crucifixion changed everything in their lives. And what we see after his crucifixion is a sad picture. They are hiding out of fear. Now, it's sad because just a few months earlier, these men were living with great power. These men were casting out demons. These men were proclaiming the kingdom of God. These men were laying hands on people, and they were getting well. They were, they were living with great power and great mission. And yet, Jesus dies on the cross, and now what we see, they are a, a, a shell of what they used to be. They are hiding, locked, it says, in a room because of fear of the Jews. And so they said, they, they, they killed Jesus. We are probably next. And so they get into a room. They hide. They lock the door. And that piece of information is really important. They lock the door. They are not just locked in a room. These disciples are locked in fear. These disciples are locked in shame. These disciples are locked in regret. These disciples are locked in disappointment. These disciples are locked in hopelessness. And many of us, we know what it feels to be locked in something. We know what it feels to be locked in fear and anxiety. We know what it feels to be locked in hopelessness, like there's no way out of this thing. We know what it feels like to be locked in, in shame, great shame and great regret that we are locked in. These disciples are locked not just in a room, they're locked within themselves. And it is in this place where they are locked in the room that Jesus shows up. Jesus comes on the scene. And when Jesus comes on the scene, he doesn't knock on the door, guys, you in there? He just shows up. Middle of the room. Boom. Jesus just showed up. Now, this is scary on two levels. Number one, how'd you get here? How'd you do that? And probably thinking maybe it's, a, and, and he looks like, he looks like, he doesn't look like a ghost. He's not, ooh, this is Jesus. He said, touch my side. And my, I mean, this guy, he, he, he went through the door and he can eat as well. This is very scary. It's scary on one level, but it's also scary on another level. They're probably thinking he came back to kill us. We left him. We deserted him. 
we, we denied him. We cursed when someone associated us with him. He came back to judge us. And so instead of Jesus judging these disciples, the first word that Jesus says to these disciples is very striking. It is, peace be with you. Oh, that's good. Peace be with you. These are people who have betrayed him, people who have let him down, people who abandoned him when he needed the most. And when you look at the ministry of Jesus, you would think a different word would be fitting. When Jesus began his ministry in the beginning of Matthew, in the beginning of Mark, in the beginning of Luke, in the beginning of John, the first words out of Jesus' mouth is repent because the kingdom of God has come. You would think after Jesus resurrects and sees his disciples that the first word that Jesus would say is repent. Get it, boom, he got in the room and he said, you guys need to repent right now. How could you? You left me when I needed you most. And he would have been totally vindicated and that would be totally appropriate to say, but instead of saying repent, Jesus says, peace, peace be with you. This is the grace of God who when judgment should come, says peace to you. When, when God looks at all of our failures and mistakes, the first words out of Jesus' mouth to these disciples and to you in this room, peace to you. With all of your ups and downs, with all of your hangups, with your bad attitude and, and, and your irritability, God says to you, peace be with you. Now, if I'm the disciples, this is the last word I'm expecting. Because this is not how we typically respond. I recall in seventh grade, uh, I got into a little argument with one of the bullies of the school, a kid named Terrence. And I saw him a couple of days later as I'm walking with my friend, and Terrence had a couple of friends with him. And I'm basically at the bottom of the staircase like this here, and out of nowhere, he pushes me down, and I fall right here to the ground here on the, on the, on the stairs, and the kid gets over me, and he starts choking me, seventh grade, starts just, just choking me. Now, I had a friend named Mitchell who was standing next to me, and as I'm being choked, I see Mitchell slowly walking away. <laughs> just like this. And I'm going, Mitchell, help. And, he, and he's like, he just, he just, I got to go to class. He's like, I got I to get to class. When I saw Mitchell the next day, I could assure you I didn't say, peace be with you. <laughs> all is well, and all is well, and all manner of things shall be well. I said, what happened? How could you leave me like that? I wasn't going to say, listen, don't worry about it. It's all good. We're in seventh grade. Let's just play some video games. We'll be all good. No, no. Where did you go? We don't respond that way. But when Jesus comes on the scene, the first words out of Jesus' mouth is, peace be with you. And you would think, after Jesus says peace, that would be enough for the story to end. Wow, what a gracious God. But in addition to offering them peace, look at verse 22. In verse 22, he says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Not only does he pardon them, 
He empowers them. This is beautiful. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus breathes on them, this is not a random thing he's doing. He could have conferred power and authority on them by laying his hands on their head, laying his hands on their shoulders, speaking a word to them. But he breathes on them. And, and, and when Jesus breathes on them, that's a very intentional act. Because it's like Jesus is saying, the God who breathed in the beginning of the Bible is standing right before you. It says in John 20, and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In Genesis 2, it says, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Jesus breathes into his disciples' power, basically saying the same God who raised Adam to life is the same God who stands right before you here. And this is the same God who stands by the power of his Holy Spirit right before us right now, longing to breathe into you his life. On this Vision Sunday, we are reminded that we serve a God who breathes life. That only Jesus' life, only his breath is going to produce the kind of life we desperately long for. It is only his empowerment that is, going to, that is going to help us reflect the kind of calling that God has given each and every one of us in this room. Jesus breathes on his disciples. And then after he, he says peace to them, after he breathes on them a sign of empowerment, a sign of life, you would think, this is great. He does something even more staggering. Jesus, he sends them then with a sense of, of missional purpose. He sends them. Now, this is surprising because the disciples in the room, they failed him. They dropped out. Who would want these people on their team? Nobody. No one's picking them on the courts. Yet Jesus identifies them. And Jesus He comes back to his failed disciples, and listen, instead of bringing up their mistakes, he sends them on mission. This is awesome. Listen, many of us think, when my my life is right enough, then God could use me. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. It It is not our mistakes that are obstacles to God using us. It is often our mistakes that become the catalyst to God using us. Your mistakes don't uh, exempt you from God using you. Don't, it doesn't eliminate you from God using you. It is often our failures, our mistakes, our ups and downs that make us a candidate to be sent by God in mission. This is the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God. That in the world system, the world system says, if you don't perform, you're out of here. In God's system, in the kingdom of God, it works totally different. That it is, it is out of your failures, out of your weaknesses, out of your hangups, that God says, now you're qualified. As the, as the nice saying goes, listen, God does not call the qualified. God qualifies the call. Whoever you are in this room, no matter what your hangup is, no matter what your... Look at these disciples. They failed Jesus when he needed them most, and Jesus does not bring up their mistakes. He sends them on mission. 
And so when are you ready to be sent by God? Right now. If you belong to Jesus, right now is the perfect time. Not when you get your act together, not when you overcome that sin. It is often in in being sent by God that you are empowered to live the kind of life that God has called you to live. He says, I am sending you. As my Father has sent me. Listen to these words. As my Father has sent me. Jesus says to each and every one of you in this room, I am sending you. In another passage, he says, as the Father has loved me, I love you. I mean, just wrap your mind around this for a second. God, The Father sent Jesus for the purpose of rescuing us from our sin, for the purpose of reordering the world, for the purpose of making everything new. That's why the Father sent the Son. The Son says, in the way that the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Now you go, well, listen, I mean, I just get started, Rich. I just just became a Christian two hours ago. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Oh, you don't understand my my problems with, I still got to hang up with this here. My life is not, as the Father has sent me. Notice Jesus doesn't say, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. But first, make sure you get this right and get this right and get this right. Make sure you believe this and all that. As the Father has sent me, I have sent you. I am sending you. And this is the core. Oh, this this is good news for us. Because our lives will never be good enough for God to say, finally, you're good. It wouldn't be grace then. It is the grace of God that sends us out on mission. And this is the core of our vision Sunday today. That God is sending us as a church, corporately, in our community, and and individually, he is sending us on mission. That every single one of you, listen, every single one of you, If you belong to Jesus, you have gifts of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have passion and experiences that God has allowed you to go through for the sake of the wholeness and healing of the world. And listen, if if you're not activating the gifts that are inside of you, the passions that are inside of you, the calling that is inside of you, your humanity is not lived out to its fullest extent. And so there's, there's parts of you that remain dormant as a result. You're not living the kind of flourishing, abundant life that God has called us to. And so in this season, we are saying we're placing a greater emphasis on this fifth M because there are gifts of the Holy Spirit inside this room that God wants to release for your blessing and for the world's blessing as well. This is why we're here. And so this is why I say from time to time, we have to reimagine who we are as a church, that we're not called to be a stadium. That is a crowd of spectators. We're not called to be a mall. That is a crowd of consumers. We're not called to be a a subway car, a sanctified subway car. That is a crowd of diverse, anonymous people in close proximity to each other. We are called to be on mission with God, sent out in the power of the Holy Spirit as the Father has sent me. So I am sending you. This is an invitation for us all individually and for us as a church collectively. And so what does it mean to be sent? I want to just focus on five areas we're going to be cultivating in the coming year. And we've already talked about it the last couple of weeks. What does it mean to be sent for us in this season, in this new season of mission for us? What does it mean to be sent? Well, we are sent, first of all, 
to offer and to live out a greater emphasis of personal evangelism. That God has entrusted us with good news. God, if you belong to Jesus, he's entrusted you with good news. And that good news is not something to be kept alone. That good news is to be shared. And God is calling us to move outside of ourselves to offer. I love Keegan's story today. Didn't you love his story? He came to a, his friend, called, invited him to a baptism and said, I, and, 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 and look at the good news of God in my life. And Keegan said, I need some of that. We are called in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhood to be joyful and urgent sharers of good news. Personally. What, what does it mean for us to, uh, to be sent? It also means that our, our small groups are, are sent to engage their neighbors and community. That, that our small groups, we, are, we exist to cultivate community with one another, to live life with each other, to pray with each other, to share meals with each other, to study scripture together. But that is not the only reason why we gather in small groups around the city. We gather in small groups around the city, and we're going to place a greater emphasis to engage our neighbors, to engage the, the Keans of the world who are without the life of God, who need the good news of God in their lives. We are called to engage our community in creative ways without of our small group communities. This is a new season of mission. To be, to be sent means that, that we, are, we are sent to work for justice and mercy for the powerless and vulnerable. That throughout the course of our 30-year history, this has been who we are as a church. And this is, there's going to be a deepening of this. That our world is filled with many uh, unjust practices and unjust systems and people who have been oppressed and powerless and vulnerable. And our church is to be a sign of the kingdom of God, a prophetic sign that there is another life, another world that is possible. We are sent out into the world for the sake of justice, for the sake of mercy, for the powerless, and for the vulnerable. We're all sent in this room to be in full-time ministry, whether at home, at work, or at school. At New Life, we don't say a phrase like this, I can't wait to quit my job so I can go into full-time ministry. We don't use that language at New Life. Why? Because every one of us, if you belong to Jesus, you are called to full-time ministry at your home, at your workplace, at your school, in your neighborhood. All of us are sent by God into the world. And we're going to be focusing more on what that means for us. And, and lastly, what does it mean that we're uh, this new season of mission? Well, it means that we are, we're in the process of releasing new leaders for the sake of mission for the sake of mission inside this building and outside of this building, that God is calling us as a church to offer this Queens, to, to offer New York City, to offer this country, to offer this world a sign of the good news of Jesus. And so I believe there, there are leaders in this room that have not stepped up to offer the leadership potential that God has placed inside of you. And in the year to come, we are here to cultivate and identify and equip and release the leaders. Some of you are incredibly gifted. And for whatever reason, you have not activated the leadership potential that is inside of you. And yet, what I'm here to, to, to tell you today is that God wants to breathe on all of us in this room. 
and say, as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. And so this is to change everything for us. The way you go to work tomorrow is to be different now. I'm sent by God. The way you go to school tomorrow is to be different. I'm sent by God. The way you go home is to be different. I'm sent by God. Before you go into your neighborhood, I am sent by God. Why? Because Jesus is with us. And he's breathed on us. And as the Father has sent him, so is he sending us. And so our mission begins with us recognizing that God is breathing on us. And God is already active and alive. The reason we're called to mission is because we serve a God who's always on mission. There are two images that come to mind when I think about God. God as the stable one and God as the uncontrollable missional one. When I think about one image, I think about God sitting on a throne. I think about Jesus sitting on a throne. It's a picture of stability, a picture of being anchored, a picture of being unmovable. That's the God we worship. But God is not just a God who's sitting on a throne doing nothing. God is also deeply active and alive. This is why I love how Jesus, one of the words that Jesus gives and images that Jesus gives of the Holy Spirit is that of wind, that the wind is always moving. In John 3, he says, you know what the Spirit is like? The Spirit is like a wind. You don't know where it's, when it's coming or where it's going, but you do know that the wind is active. And Jesus, that's, what he, that's how he speaks about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is like a wind that's moving. And God right now is on mission all around the world. God is on mission all over. God right now is in different parts of this world, coming through to Muslims through dreams. God is moving. Without our help, God is on mission. God is coming to people right now in different parts of the city, different parts of this country, and places that have never heard of the good news. Why? Because God is always on mission. And what God calls us to do is not to create a mission. God calls us to join him on his mission. We don't have to think this stuff up. We have to discern how God is already moving in our individual lives, in our lives as a community, and in the church around the world. And as we begin to do this, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. Now receive the breath of life. Let's pray together. We invite the worship team to come forward. We are in a new season of mission at New Life. And it doesn't mean we don't do the other four M's. It means that we carry the four other four M's wherever we go. Lord Jesus, I believe that whoever's here is not here by accident. <clears throat> that somehow you have orchestrated their presence in this room and those watching online. And Lord, those who will listen to this message at some other point. Lord, we need your breath, your life. We need your power and anointing. And Lord, would your spirit remind us that if we belong to Jesus, that we have been equipped with gifts of the spirits and empowerment of the spirits. And you long for us not just to keep it to ourselves. You long for us to be sent out into the world to offer that to others. 
And so, Lord, may New Life Fellowship, thank you for the first 30 years you've given us, your incredible history of faithfulness. And Lord, as we look to the next 30 years, may may we be reminded you are the God who was, who is, and is to come. The one who is with us, the one who remains faithful and true. And so we sing to you now, Lord Jesus, may our lives be offered for the sake of the world. May your kingdom come in our lives. May your will be done. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said. Let's all stand. Let's sing together. Amen. That's our prayer this day, Lord, that you will light a fire in us, Lord. You've entrusted us with good news that our world desperately needs, family members desperately need, co-workers desperately need, neighbors desperately need. And so would you fill us with the Holy Spirit? Give us boldness and courage and deep love. Breathe on us, Holy Spirit, this day. As we close our service, I want to invite our prayer team to come to my right, invite those who are going to be offering the bread and the cup as well. Um, so we'll be praying on this side because of the, just the lack of space there. Just a couple of things as I close. And, and downstairs, there's cake in the shell room to, to celebrate 30 years of God's history of faithfulness towards us. Um, there are t-shirts downstairs, limited supplies, so don't get mad if they run out, all right? Don't, Pastor Rich, what happened? But more is coming, all right? Um, so you can get that downstairs as well. Uh, the, the Daily Office booklet, make sure you take that and root your life in prayer this week. Hopefully that'll be an aid to you. But I'd like to ask, listen, I, I, I deeply sense in my time of prayer, and this has been burning inside of me, that, that we are in a new season of mission at New Life. That God has called us, God has entrusted us with a set of values to follow Jesus, a set of emphasis. Every church is different. This is what makes our church different, these these values. And God has entrusted us to, in the name of Jesus, offer not just these values, but the hope of the gospel and the kingdom of God. Uh, And so uh, I'm I'm clear on that. And and there are areas that are to come, they're going to get clearer for us to flesh this mission out and what it means for us as a church for the next year, five, ten, and, and, and years to come. And so I'd, I'd like to ask you that you would pray for me, that you would pray for our elders, that you would pray for our pastors, that we would get all the wisdom we need from God as we, as we embark on this new season of mission, that we get everything, that you remember us in prayer. Give, give the elders, Lord, and the pastors and Pastor Rich, that I would deeply appreciate you praying. We need all the wisdom we can get. And your prayers really help. There's a couple of just simple next steps for us on this Vision Sunday. And if you can just put that slide up there um, with some next steps there. Uh, one of the ways that we are, the community we are, is because we have intentional uh, courses, core courses for us. And so if you haven't signed up for the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course, I want to invite you to do that. That's coming up this, this coming Wednesday. Uh, and this is, how do we love well for the sake of the world? And so if you've never gone to that course, I want to invite you to, to take that. I want you to prayerfully consider going through communitas. If you, if you sense 
God is calling me. God has called me to this church, not just to attend on Sundays, which we're very happy that you are here, but to be rooted formally as a member, to say, I'm, I'm, I'm putting down roots here. And that communitas, all that information's in your bulletin. That third, you'd be open to the Holy Spirit's leading in this season of mission. That God, not just as a church, but individually, God has an assignment for you. God has a purpose for you, a mission for you. And that you would be sensitive and open to the Spirit's leading in this season of mission as well. And so um, I'm excited about it. God has been faithful to us for 30 years. He's not going to stop now. He's not going to stop now. And so we are invited to join him in that mission. Let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. If you'd like to take the expressway to some of the coffee and the cake, you can go down that door right there. Um, This is our way of just celebrating God's goodness towards us. For those of you watching online, you can open up your hands as well, whether before your phone or before your computer. God's hand is not too short to reach you either. And so with your hands in your hearts, in a posture of receiving brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness to the truth that as the Father has sent Jesus, so Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit is sending us and is sending you. And so may you live with a great sense of missional purpose and urgency that you have much to offer to the world around you. So I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the resurrected name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Grace and peace to everyone.